Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Jerek Show. I am Javad Malik, and I actually started this without hitting the go live button. So, yeah, clearly my mind is elsewhere. April Fool's. Um, so today we'll cover stories of a network company starting a fight they probably didn't want to, how Apple and Meta got socially engineered, why a man dropping a watch landed him in uh, handcuffs, and why responding to a negative comment got a dental practice fined. All this and more coming up on this week's episode. Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. Wow. That's a you good did look, it Eric. Again. Yeah, you like that? You like, yeah, I like yeah. it. So, so here I am. I'm live from the Nashville airport. That's how much I care about you. I stopped what I was doing in the middle of my travel to do the show today. You are really muffled. So we can't really see your face and we can't hear you properly, which is a double bonus for How's all of that? us. Is that? Is that yes. better? Can I just do the Hold show like, like that. this? Hold it like that. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this oh, is great. Okay. You should be on the road every week. That would make this show infinitely better. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't want to do that again. I was pretty close to that before COVID. I'm, I'm tired of it now. Oh. <clears throat> Uh, so uh, is this a layover or is this your final destination? No, this is my final destination. I'm actually here for B-Sides Nashville, which is tomorrow. I'm pretty excited about that. You know I love the B-Sides shows. Um, they're such great shows for practitioners and stuff. So I'm speaking tomorrow here. And uh, so, yeah, I, I got an early flight in. Here I am. Excellent. So do you know Ubiquity, the uh, networking product manufacturer they're like the apple of the networking world really expensive good stuff like you know you right. need to take take out a bank loan just to get, get your house wired up <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah. last uh, year I heard, of them. I heard they're good yeah yeah so last year there was an incident they apparently got ransomware and that there was a big thing and but then yeah. it transpired that it was an employee it was an insider threat who had it was a developer who had been stealing or, or who had planted it and they were trying to extort them and whatever <laughs> and then they got caught and they got arrested and it was all good when the story first broke it, uh krebs on security broke the story and he said that he had an inside source it transpired that inside source was the person who had deployed the ransomware oh so Ubiquiti went to Krebs and said, you need to uh, correct this article because it wasn't your inside source isn't a reliable source because that was the criminal himself. Who did it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Krebs was like, nope, I'm not correcting nothing. <laughs> yeah. And so we are in this situation where Ubiquiti is now suing Krebs on security for defamation. Um, wow. So they wow. Uh, on you know they they've um, they put it in they they actually said that the publication of these stories on march 30th 31st um coincided with a four billion dollar decline in ubiquity's market capitalization so they're actually putting a number on this thing so they're probably like seeking damages and, and what have you not really a good look to be going after journalists and reporters though i i, I must say what's your take on this eric well, you know, 
so while I would agree with you in a, in a sense, okay, I, I worked for a place that had an issue with Krebs once before where he reported something and it was not really true. Um, they, they reported one thing and it, it turned out that what was reported, we even went back and said, no, this is not really this way. You know, there's part of this is correct, but the rest of it isn't. Okay. Um, like the security issue you're reporting on is actually mitigated by a control further in the step. So it's not really what you're saying. And they never bothered. He never bothered to change anything. Just went on and pretended like that wasn't an issue and never contacted us before he published that story which in my opinion is, is honestly and unfortunately a little bit shoddy on the journalism side, right? You should at least reach out to them and say, hey, what do you say about this? I mean, if you look at the news crews and things, they always say, hey, we reached out to him, we haven't received a comment, okay? But instead, it seems like quite often it comes one direction. Oh, I heard this thing, we're gonna publish and then when somebody comes back and goes, you know what? No, that, that's not exactly right. They go, ah, whatever. And to me, that, that's where journalism kind of falls apart a little bit. Um, and, and it's a little bit frustrating. That's all. That's an interesting perspective. So you know, obviously, I've never dealt with Krebs. I'm just like one of those people who just reads what he posts. And a lot of times, yeah. it's like, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Normally first. And like, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Where have you? But uh, but you're right. But you know, as they say in the journalism world, uh, why let the truth get in the way of a good story? So, uh... <laughs> right. And he does. I mean, really, he does do some good work. I mean, I, I've seen some some decent stuff. But frankly, I've gotten very skeptical about this at times. And you know, if you look at the really good uh, newspapers and stuff, they will print retractions or updates. You know, there'll be a thing on the bottom, updated to say. Buried on page 72 in font size 4. <laughs> We've seen no. those retractions. You're not fooling anyone. Day, it's all, it's all fake day. media, man. It's all fake media. Oh, Nothing geez, to see here. Here we go. Here we okay. go. Okay. <laughs> so, two of your favorite companies, Apple and Meta. Uh, they, they, so, they both have a process called the emergency data request process. So this is where law enforcement, if there's a risk to life, imminent danger, something like that, they can put in an emergency data request and uh, they can get information about, I've got this phone number, tell me the IP address, the home address, whatever it is, or this is the Apple ID I have, or this is the, the, the thing. And, and they will provide it because clearly it's a life and death situation. Now, what happened is in mid-21, is that, um, you know, they, they found that some people who weren't actually law enforcement uh, agents were requesting this data and they were getting the data. So, uh, you know, it's like, you know, a string of attacks may have been performed by members of a cybercrime group called Recursion Team. Uh, although the group has disbanded, some have joined Lapsus with different names. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they've been doing it. So, you know, okay, okay. so the, the Verge article I'm reading here cites Krebs uh, and saying the majority of bad actors carrying out these are actually teenagers and, uh, you know, it might be just a scam and what have you. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think it is an interesting angle on social engineering again. And we see how 
how prevalent and how useful it is. I mean, how easy it is to do this. And I believe ISPs have the same sort of rule out there as well that they need to do for law enforcement. And there's good reason for that, right? Somebody that goes out there and they says, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna off myself on Facebook. We need to be able to react quickly. Or, you know, I'm gonna go do something bad. Um, they need to be able to get that information very quickly. That does have to be there. The problem is when you have a process like that, how do you confirm the identity of the person making the request, especially in something that's a very quick turnaround like that? Now, yeah. I know how you love it when I talk about my military days, um, but there was, you know, FOU requests, uh, you know, or Freedom of Information Act um, requests that would come in that you had to deal with. And, uh, but there was time to deal with them, okay? In these cases, it comes in and they're like, hey, somebody's gonna get hurt or life and limb is at risk. We need this information now. What, what do you do there? So I suppose the, the toughest part might be getting a hold of the contact information, the phone numbers or email addresses or however they do the contacting. I don't know if you've ever tried to contact anyone at Meta, but it is damn near impossible. No, um, I haven't. I, I don't. I don't use Facebook. Uh, so, well, not directly. I don't use Facebook. Yeah, I use WhatsApp and maybe Instagram. But I can't say yeah. that. <laughs> right, right. Hold on. Uh, I'm going to mute you for a second while there's an announcement going on. Sorry about that. I, I'm I'm muting. Yeah, thank you. So, so. Um, um, what, what was I going to say? Now I've lost my train of thought. This is the problem yeah. when you have so many thoughts going on at the same time. It's uh, yeah, my, yeah. my own intelligence sometimes scares me. That's okay, the fact. So the announcement's over. Stop talking. You're good. You're good. Okay. No, uh, but anyways, that that's that's kind of an interesting angle from social engineering. It's, yeah. It's amazing yeah. How, how much it does still work. What, what I do find quite concerning is like, you know, they, they put it down to like these fake emergency data requests are most often carried out by teenagers. The thing is that that's not something that is minor, in my opinion. I mean, you, we've heard stories of teenagers getting other teens squatted because they beat them on a video game or something like that. Yeah. And and so this is quite, quite, quite dangerous. And, you know, imagine you're someone like escaping a, an abusive relationship or, or you're being, you know, you had... You're like Simon from the Tinder Swindler and you have enemies after you and you want to disappear. And if all it takes is someone to phone up um, Meta and say, hey, where is this person? He's in danger. And they give up all your information, then it can, yeah. can kind of go sideways. Speaking of escaping abusive relationships, there was this lady who um, tried to escape her relationship where she, her partner or husband was... Um, uh, got into a row and he threatened to kill her several times so she she left and they used to use this life 360 app yeah. to keep yeah. each other but she disabled it uh, and she was fleeing uh, and then he was messaging and calling saying where are you tell me where you are and what have you uh, she went to one of those family safety centers and he thought I don't know whether he found her through luck or whether he thought that she would go there and he was caught in the police in the parking lot next to a car, tying an Apple Watch to the the, the spokes of her wheel, so that he could use that to uh, to track her. And uh, so he's uh, charged. He, he was arrested 
and charged with unlawfully attaching an electronic device intended for tracking another person to a motor vehicle. Oh, that's quite a mouthful. Yeah, I'll bet that's a pretty serious charge, though, too, because that almost feels like it would be something in the espionage side or, you know, something they're going to charge a spy with. Right. Um, but, you know, it brings to light the issues that there are these days when somebody needs to escape an abusive relationship. The things they have to go through, um, you know, their phones track them. And, and a lot of times these abusers know how to do that. Now, they use Life360, which actually we use as a family. It's a really handy app. Um, you know, my wife can go, oh, hey, I see you're at the store. You want to pick up this or that or you know what I mean? And um, you can keep an eye on the kids. Um, there's alerts where if they're in an accident, it will alert you immediately. Um, there's lots of cool things that, that come with some of these apps and lots of parents use them. But a lot of abusers use this as well to track the people. So they try to get away, they make a run for it. And if they're not technically savvy, very quickly, that abuser is right there waiting for them. And, and that creates another form of fear on the other person because they may not realize how they got tracked. So one of the first things they do now is, you know, you shut off your phone, you, you know, you, you basically turn your phone off and, uh, and or disable it if you can, though, you know, when they go to these places, they'll issue them uh, some phones that that are, you know, burner phones essentially to use to help get away from that because they just never know. And so um, I've also heard, I think it's interesting that he went with an Apple Watch, which is kind of an expensive way to do it. I'm guessing this was a crime of passion, had it on him, pulled it off his wrist or something, right? But those Apple AirTags have been yep. found in situations where People are being tracked. There's concerns. I've heard concerns about like women at the bar and these people dropping them in their, their purses so they can track them down later and things like this. That's that's some pretty scary stuff when a $29 tag can track somebody like that. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then it's not even the, I mean, like you can get so many of these cheap things off AliExpress or something made in China and they're like... But they're like tiny and they're like inexpensive and you can be dropping them off anywhere and everywhere. And, you know, they, they, some, a lot of them are just like card ones with a SIM card in it, like you get those kinds of things. So it, it's really cheap and inexpensive to do it. You don't need to be used. So even if something like Apple, they have their anti, anti um, sort of like um, tailgating type feature built into the tags so that if it's away from the owner for a period of time, then it starts buzzing or what have you. But a lot of these other companies aren't going to have those function that functionality built in. And uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for, for people to find it. So indeed, a scary proposition. Anyway, last story of the day, and then I'll let you uh, enjoy some airplane food or, or like some, some food. In, <laughs> in, in. But um, a dental practice has been fined for sharing patient data on social media. And when I, when I first read this, I thought this was going to be a story about, um, you know, maybe someone accidentally pasted some x-rays or, you know, posted them online without permission or something. But no, it's something <laughs> far more interesting. So there was a, dent a patient that went there and he wasn't too happy with the service he received. And a couple of years later, he anonymously left a negative review about the dental practice. Uh, the dental practice then 
responded to that person online, naming them. And, uh, you know, so they they named the, the person, the, uh, the, the symptoms that they had experienced and the treatment recommended but not provided to him. And uh, they also were a bit condescending to them. We're saying like that the, uh, the, the person's level of intelligence is in question and he should continue with his manual work and not expose himself to ridicule. Uh, that is a gangster reply. I mean, I think that's worth the 50 grand fine that they that, that was imposed on them. Uh, that's something I would say to you as well, Eric. Stick to manual work. Stop ridiculing yourself by, by trying to masquerade as a security professional. Um, what do you think about that? Oh, you're on mute. The first thing, yeah, the first thing that stands out on me here is that apparently I wasn't so anonymous if they figured out who he was and named him, right? So, so that's an issue. Um, the second thing is that's a bad look. I mean, as a business, you may get a bad response, especially in something like dentistry or somebody's always unhappy with that, right? Um, so you're going to get that but but replying that way is just a very very bad look for that organization and to give out the specific information is, is just a bad idea it is it is but i think this is also something that's really important that uh, okay maybe it's like an intern that or a teenager or someone young working in the thing or maybe the doctors had a bad day and and they replied online in the, in an angry manner but you think this is just one patient, but because it is uh, personal healthcare information, you know, they ended up with fifty thousand uh, dollars as a penalty, which is which is huge, considering yeah, I mean, it's only one record, one person. Yeah, and they didn't. I mean, obviously, they they may have given out some information, but it's not like they were one of those selfies in the uh, in the operating room with somebody in the back with something, you know, or, or like something super embarrassing like that. You're doing it again. Oh, what? Oh. But they also started it. Uh, that person it's, got on there and started it, which is kind of funny that, that they fought back the way they did. But, but yeah, yeah. But, but I suppose that, that's kind of like their prerogative. That they're allowed to do that. If you receive bad service at a restaurant, you're within your right yeah. to go online and say, hey, I got bad service. I mean, I'm allowed Absolutely. to go and door and say, I've been forced to work with Eric for like nearly three years now. <laughs> And, oh, I, I don't have to actually be forced to work with him any longer. So I hope you enjoyed that, everyone, all three of you listeners. Uh, you are my top three favorite listeners out there. So we'll see you again next week. Hopefully, Eric is traveling in the Arctic. So not only does he have to wear a mask, but he has to wear the full like hood and everything. So we see and hear even less of him. We can only hope. So until next time, stay secure, my friends. <laughs>